So I got to ask, just as, as we begin this morning, or as I begin the message, uh, and again, we're going to sing a little more after this, so I promise not to run too long. Are you thankful for what Jesus has done for you? Amen. Yeah, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. You know, I, I recognize that, that every time I hone in on what Jesus has done, not just for me, but for, for all of us, that when my mind gets focused there, that I find myself in a place where, where I have to think beyond myself. Think beyond just what I need in the gospel, but what you need in the gospel. And you would expect that of me, I'm pretty sure, because I'm your pastor. But I don't do that because I'm your pastor. I do that because that's what the gospel compels me to do as a human being, to think beyond myself. And so I want us to take a few minutes today and I want us to think beyond ourselves as a church. You know, it's a holiday weekend and a holiday weekend is a great time for us to take our two services and spend some time together. It's a great time for us to get to know some people that go to the other service. It's a great time to, um, to be together as a family. But I think it's also a great time to look around the room and say, who's in? And the question I want you to ask over and over and over again this morning is, am I in? Let me show you what I mean. Mark chapter 2. This is a text I've preached before. I, I'm not going to pretend that, that, uh, that this isn't something I've preached before. But you know what? I, it, can't you read a passage more than once in your Bible and get something entirely different out of it? Yes. Mark chapter 2 says, A few days later when Jesus entered... Capernaum, and I would just note for you, this is very, very early in the Gospel of Mark, which means this is very, very early in Jesus' ministry. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, which was the region he called home, the people heard he had come home, and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So here they were in a home not in a church building. They didn't have church buildings. They were not in a synagogue. They were in a home. And Jesus was there, and he was going to teach, and people began, the word began to get out. And everywhere Jesus began to go, word began to get out, and people began to gather, and they, welcome, come on in. And like we did here this morning, come on in, welcome, we're glad you're here. And pretty soon, the house was filled with people. Welcome, we're glad you're here. And people were standing outside at the windows listening in, and welcome, we're glad you're here. It says they were gathered in such large numbers there, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And some men came to him, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, you get the picture, right? The, the house was so full of people, they couldn't get inside the door. And since they couldn't get to him because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. 
So if we were here in worship this morning, not worshiping me, obviously, even though I'm here at the front, but worshiping Jesus, and you began to hear some digging up there, you'd get a little distracted, you think? And what if, instead of just hearing noise, like maybe we've got rats, Thankfully, we don't. You just say breakfast. You're wondering if that, you know. Yeah. You can take mine. Let it, let's say we heard noise, and it, it, was, it was disturbing enough. It wasn't just, now, they didn't have roofs quite like this. I'm, I want to be honest. It's not like they were digging through the kinds of things we dig through. But they would dig through the thatch material that made up the roof, and suddenly a light opens and the sun beams down in and pretty soon you're all watching and there's a mat with some rope attached to it or something attached to it and somehow this man comes descending down who cannot move himself at all and suddenly there he is at the feet of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, not the man's faith, but the faith of his friends, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, <laughs> Why does this fellow talk like that? This fellow. That's sort of interesting language, this fellow. I don't know, if I were to bump into Jesus today, I don't think I'd be like, Hey, what's up, fellow? Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Which is straight up a fair question. And they are accurate. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus is announcing something here. Much bigger than they understand. And immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. If you've ever told yourself you can hide what you're thinking from God, yeah, good luck with that. Jesus said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now, the question has behind it, anybody can say your sins are forgiven. There's no way to prove it. But if I say, get up, take your mat, and walk, it's either going to work or it's not. And I've made plenty of hospital visits over the years. But I've never been prompted to say, get up and take your bed and walk. Not sure I could carry one of those hospitalized you know, beds if I had to. Jesus said, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to them, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. So there was no way for him to get in, but after Jesus performs this miracle, suddenly the sea of crowds part, and there's a way for him to get out. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. And you would have said the same if you were there. But I'm going to warn you, it's one thing to be amazed at the miracles Jesus does. It's a completely different thing to be a worshiper of Jesus as God Almighty. 
So I think about what went on in these, in these guys' minds, in this conversation. I mean, clearly these, these four friends knew something about Jesus or, or they never would have gone through the effort to drop this man in front of them. I don't know if they'd had their own healing experience. I don't know. They're probably not. But they knew that Jesus was a miracle worker somehow, some way. And so their thought was, I'm not sure exactly what Jesus can do, but if anybody can help our friend, Jesus can. They were convinced of that. They believed that Jesus could do what is unimaginable in their friend's life. And they were all in on helping their friend. I mean, just imagine the conversation among these four friends before this went out. I mean, they're looking around. The plan was they were going to bring their friend into Jesus. They were going to walk him in the door. But clearly, now they can't walk him in the door. And so one of the friends says to the other three, guys, are we going to do this or not? Like, we're going to have to do whatever it takes. And it doesn't exactly say whose house this was, but if it's your house and it's your roof that has the hole dug into it, you know, there's a certain amount of all in that you're talking about in terms of commitment here. And I don't even know if, they, maybe it was one of their houses, or, or maybe they went to the homeowner and asked permission, or maybe the homeowner, more likely, was inside the house, they couldn't get to him, and he finds out his roof's getting dug out at the same time that everybody else does. So these four guys are risking a lot. And I imagine them saying, guys, are we really going to do this? And one by one, the four men go around the circle. Are you in? I'm in. Are you in? I'm in. Are you in? I'm in. Yeah. Are you in? I'm in. The leader of the group says, let's do this. Next thing you know, the roof's falling apart. And so the one thing I want to ask you today is really the one question I want to ask you today. Will you say, I'm in? Will I say, I'm in? When it comes to what God wants to do in our friends' lives this fall, will you say, I'm in? Will I say, I'm in? When it comes to neighbors, to coworkers, to people you've never even met yet, but live around us in this community, will you say, I'm in? Are you and I willing to say what these friends said? Do you have people in your life that need Jesus? I would suppose so. Do you have a belief that Jesus has done much for you? I do. Do I know people whom Jesus could do much for? Absolutely. <clears throat> the question I'm asking is, am I willing to say I'm in? Now, I got to caution you a little bit. I am talking about what you think I'm talking about. Most of, our, most of us are conditioned in this American sort of way of operating to think that religion is a very private thing. We all know when you get together with your family and your friends, there are two things you don't talk about. Yeah, I mean, we got in the car with friends two nights ago and both came up within 10 seconds. It was really fun. I, I, 
I said, how about those ducks? You know, it was... The question I think we're really asking is, are we willing to overcome those, those fears that sort of exist among us? Is Jesus done enough that we're willing to say, yeah, I'm in? And just real quickly, I want to give you four ways to be in, if you will. There's nothing overly complex about this. Four ways to be all in. Number one is worship. I'm in to sit at the feet of Jesus. Are you willing to say, I'm in to sit at the feet of Jesus online? Are you willing to say, I'm in to sit at the feet of Jesus? It says a few days later, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the people heard he had come home and they gathered in such large numbers there, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, I would imagine if, if we somehow were to send word into the community that Jesus Christ in the flesh were going to be here on some Sunday morning. There'd be standing room only. I'm not Jesus. That's clear, isn't it? I might be wearing sandals, though. But he is here. Sunday in and Sunday out. I think we've gotten pretty casual in the American culture about worship. Can I just be honest about that? Right? I mean, they, the, the old normal used to be a few times a week among the committed, and then it became, you know, at least every week. And it, like these days, they say that a family is considered very committed to their church if they're there two out of four Sundays a month. I mean, I realize, and I'm being honest about this, there are reasons to worship from home for some of us. But there are also more than enough reasons to worship in person for many of us. And the question I'm asking you is, are you willing to be consistent in the coming months? Now, I know vacations happen. I took one this year, right? That was no secret. We told you up front, Marcy and I were going to take that trip to Europe, and we did, and guess what? We came back, Yay! right? And <laughs> every once in a while, we'll take a vacation, and it'd be, you know, like one of the, like, longer ones, and, and people say, I didn't know if you were really going to come back, or people will say, now, you're not going to be gone anymore this year, are you? And I want to say back, well, you're not going to be gone anymore this year, are you? So vacation is one thing, but when it's not vacation, when it's not resting and rejuvenation and, and what your family needs for refilling your souls, why not say, when it comes to worship, I'm in. I'm in. Not just weekly, but how about every single day? I'm in. Number two is mission, right? First was worship. I'm in to sit at the feet of Jesus. The second way to be all in, I'm in to invite and share Jesus with my friends. I'm in. This is more than inviting to church, by the way, although I'm very much for that. 
But I'm in to invite. I'm in to share. I'm in to tell the story. Verse 3 says, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and they lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, this required quite a bit of effort and energy, don't you think? And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. I wonder if Jesus might see our faith this fall and say to some people who are friends in our community that their sins are forgiven. It's not that you and I can accomplish something to forgive their sins. It's not that at all. But it's easy to sit on our hands when it comes to the mission. You know, we're, if you look around the room, we're building something here that's different than some churches, right? We are intentionally intergenerational, right? So we have probably, I'd say four generations at least represented here this morning. Certainly on any given Sunday, that tends to be the case. We are intentionally multi-ethnic, which by the way, is not the easiest thing to do in Eugene and Springfield. I mean, we, we, it's, just, it's a very white community. But we're going to say God loves all people because all people bear the mark of Jesus in their life. And I wonder if God might see in our faith that sense of love for all people and the way we invest in and invite and point our friends to Jesus, if he might see our faith. So I would encourage you on your communication card over the next month, not just today, to think about who some friends are that you're asking us to pray for. And if you might write some friends' names in to say, here's some people to pray for that I'm going to invest in, that I'm going to show some love to, that I'm going to invite and share Jesus with. Worship. I'm in to sit at the feet of Jesus Mission, I'm in to invite and share Jesus with my friends. Number three, ministry. I'm in to serve. I'm in to serve. You know, there are countless ways to serve in any given church. But in this case, it's very clear that these four men weren't just saying to their friend, yeah, you should find a way to get to Jesus. I mean, that would have been cruel to say, wouldn't it? Like on your own. You should find a way to get to Jesus, to a man who's paralyzed. So they served him by getting him to Jesus, pretty literally. I mean, one of the most dramatic stories in the entire New Testament, right? They unroofed the roof, it literally says. There's some serving going on in that. Not just on the front side, on the back side. Who re-roofed the roof? Right? Can I, you guys know the stat, don't you? Right? 20% of the people do. Let's not be that church. Let's be the church where we all say, I got my way and I'm in. I'll find a way to serve. I mean, a great opportunity for that's next Sunday, back to school bash. There'll be a ton of ways to serve our friends and neighbors. They will be here. I mean, I don't know if you know, but when you say, here's free food, people tend to show up. 
There's, there's going to be a way to serve, not just next Sunday, but every single week there are ways to serve Jesus. I was talking with the staff in staff meeting this week, and we were talking about the fact that over the last weeks, our kids' ministry has been growing, even here in the summer. And so our kids' ministry is already in a place where we need to expand classrooms. You know what it takes to expand classrooms? More than a building. It takes people. Right? I mean, we're not going to say to kids, y'all go in that big room and have fun and then shut the door. <laughs> the kids might enjoy it. The adults, not so much. And the parents would particularly not appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Right? So when it comes to serving kids, it's going to take some, some people willing to serve so that kids can come to know Jesus. I mean, I'm... I'll flat out tell you, Sunday morning for kids is not childcare, right? This isn't babysitting for Jesus. This is investing in kids so that they can discover who Jesus is. And some of us, I know, I know, I know, I know. Some of us go, I've done my time. <laughs> right? When it was your kids, did you want to hear the grandparents say, I've done my time? Right? I don't, the kids are looking at me like right now going, wait, what? Like we're not prisoners. So what point will we say as a church, kids matter enough in this community to say, I'm in. Students, students, we have same, same challenges. By, by the end of, right, our student ministry takes a little bit of a break in the middle of summer because families go so many different directions. That's Oregon. We live for that, like, you know, three weeks the sun comes out and there's not smoke. Well, it's not too hot. Yeah, not too hot and not smoky, but not raining either, right? We live for that three weeks of summer. And so, so our student ministry is beginning again in these weeks. And they were in this room last Sunday night. Nerf gunning it up. <laughs> and I know, there's, there's that old, like, wait, 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 in the worship center, that's not what the... This is a building. We are the church. So we said, yes, there's smoke outside. Put the students, like, we're going to do whatever it takes to love students towards Jesus. And this morning, darts were found on stage or somewhere, you know. It, <laughs> or whatever it takes, I'm willing to say, are we in? Right? This year, we will expand our video capabilities, but that means we need more than one person in the booth, right? Because it turns out these cameras don't switch themselves. And I mean, I don't know if you know, but like all this sound stuff doesn't just run itself. Amen, Craig? Right? Right? It, it, it actually takes people to pull this off. Warren, could you use some support and help in college ministry outreach in the coming weeks? Yeah, how many pizzas are we giving away? Are we still doing pizza outreach? I should ask that ahead of time, I assume. How many pizzas, I don't know, last year, how many pizzas were there? There's a lot of pizza, probably 700 people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was such a fun day to just feed pizza to college students. Like, wait, this is free? Right, we were on campus this week at Bushnell serving college students that there are opportunities to come to say we're all in. 
I think about our mission partnerships and what we do with Monroe or some of the opportunities that may come up in the weeks ahead with crises that happen around the world. I think about our need to develop leaders, quite honestly. I mean, we have some great leaders here at Harvest Community Church. Would you agree? Amen. I'm not saying that to, to, to affirm myself or look for a pat on the back. I'm really not. I will say that about our team all day long. I love what Rachel does. I love what Julie does. I love what our stewards do. I love what our life group leaders do. I love what a lot of our ministry leaders do. But can I be honest about something? When it comes to leadership, most of us think, yeah, somebody else will do it. So what would happen on a Sunday morning if you showed up and it turned out that for whatever reason, Brian and Julie and Rachel were just not here? Yeah, it turns out that we're here to equip you to do just that. Not that we're not going to be here. But our role is not to do the work of ministry. It's to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And whether it's our missions partnerships, like what we do with Monroe Middle School, or whether it's what we do in kids ministry or worship ministry or student ministry, we're here to equip the saints. That's you and I. There's a lot of room to say, I'm in. I got one last one, number four. I'm going to throw two things in here together, discipleship and community. You might have heard some, some dude down in Southern California a lot of years ago said there are five purposes of a church, and ever since then, right? It turns out that there might be others like prayer or giving or other things along the way, but I want to make sure I cover the big five, and Rick Warren didn't make this up. He was taking it from your Bible. So for discipleship and community, will you say, I'm in to connect and grow? I'm in to connect and grow. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? The anticipated answer was, yes, God alone. And they're, they're going, this, this fellow can't possibly do that. But you know what? There were, there were some people sitting in the room that day who decided that this guy or this fellow was more than just a fellow. And those early, early disciples committed their life to him. That he was going to become the thing around which their entire life would move and rotate. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what the teachers of the law were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And again, it's like there was no room to get in. But now, who's going to stop the man from walking out? Yeah, like the Red Sea. Right? I think with their jaws open, right? Like, I mean, if somebody did this in front of me, I'd be pretty amazed too. So there are two paths here that I want you to see that happen very, very early. I mean, think about this. This is one of Jesus' earliest miracles, and this is all new to everyone. Who exactly is Jesus? And by the way, the disciples did not have him figured out at the end but now in the beginning, they certainly have no clue. They just knew they were in. Like, by the end, 
right? By, by, the, by the time of the crucifixion, the disciples were still sort of scattered about who is Jesus exactly. But in the very beginning, they're thinking, like, I'm in to follow this guy, but I have no earthly idea. Like, they're part of the amazement. So you have the path of the teachers of the law, who starting from this point forward saw Jesus as a threat, who saw Jesus as someone to fear. This is the path of we know better than this man. It's frankly the path of religion, the path of argument, and it became the path of despising Jesus. And that path grew stronger and stronger and stronger in the three years that followed this moment. But for disciples, there was a path of connection and a path of growth and a path of greater understanding and a path of willing to trust and a path of faith and a path of discipleship. And so this morning, my challenge to you is, will you do, will you be in to grow and connect or will you be in to judge and despise? You know, honestly, we could go on and on, but I want to tie it together here. I just want to ask, are you in? And that doesn't stop this morning. We're going to ask that same question again and again in these coming weeks. Because later this month, we'll launch more of those life groups. And our student ministry and our kids ministry will get fully off the ground as we launch for fall. And we're going to invite more and more people to be back. And we're going to invite lots of folks to get consistent again in their worship. Because it turns out not only COVID, but every single summer we all get pretty inconsistent. My question to you is, when it comes to Jesus, are you in? Will you say... Amen. We always end our service, or at least the preaching time, with a couple of prayers. And I'm going to pray those prayers now, and then we're going to sing some more. Craig, I told you, man. I'm, 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 we're on track, man. He didn't sneeze. And, and to be fair, I didn't preach a 45, 50-minute sermon. Woo-hoo! Yeah, I mean, if you, if you can't cheer for anything this weekend... You can cheer for that. I want to pray our two prayers, and then we're going to sing some more songs. And as we sing, would, would we sing like we're in? And then next Sunday, would we come with that same energy? All right, I always end my sermon with two prayers. The first is a prayer of salvation. The second is a prayer of application. And so if you need Jesus today, I want you to know the gospel is not that you do good. And if you do more good than bad, then God will love you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you'll never do more good than bad, but Jesus loves you anyway. In fact, he died to bring his goodness to your life. But he's not dead. He's alive today, right? Third day, rose from the dead. And he's alive to live inside you and me. And so this morning, my question, I'm in. (laughs) Are you willing to say, I need Jesus? And if you are, would you pray with me this morning just like this? Dear Jesus, I don't deserve you. And I know that. But I believe you died for my sins. 
And I believe you rose back to life on the third day. So Jesus, forgive me and take over my life and be my God. Take what's wrong in my life and send it away. Forgive it. And take your goodness and bring all of that to me. Apply your goodness to my life. Transform my heart. Make me like you, Jesus. I pray in your name. If that's you this morning, and maybe for the very first time, you've prayed to become a follower of Jesus Christ, man, that is the most incredible thing. Like, welcome. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the family. Not just the family of Harvest, but the family of Jesus. I want to celebrate that, but I can't if I don't know about it. So I would encourage you, let me know, let someone know. Online, let, let us know, either in, in the links, a digital communication card, or you can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N at harvestchurcheugene.com. You let somebody know. You can find me after we're done today and let me know. We would love, love, love to help. All of that said, a lot of us prayed something like that a while back. But if you'd pray this prayer of application with me to say you're all in today, my encouragement to you would be to make, to make that commitment. In fact, I'm going to ask us to stand together as we say this prayer of application and then remain standing to worship after we pray. If you're willing, would you pray this prayer out loud? Dear Jesus, thank you that you were all in. For forgiveness, for, forgiveness. For, life change, for life change, for miracles. So Jesus, we're all in for sharing your forgiveness with our community. We give ourselves, we give you the next few months, and we ask you to do more than we could dream or imagine. Jesus, do whatever it takes. Unroof some roofs. Open hearts. So people can come to know you. And be changed like us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.